May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Mike Ingersoll and EJ Wilson for our weekly In the Trenches podcast. We are sponsored, as always, by Giant T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. So this week, guys, UNC is playing Mercer. It's a game that the Heels should win. However, I think it's a good opportunity. I mean, come on now. If they don't win by at least 14, I think there are some issues. <laughs> well, I but, thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna stop the question at the Heels are playing Mercer this week. It's a game. <laughs> I could have, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it, it's one of those things where it provides us with, I think, a good opportunity to kind of look back at the season at this point because you know, against Mercer, the Heels should be able to play their their depth. They should win this game convincingly. And I don't think there's really a whole lot of analysis that goes into it. But I do think it's inter- interesting to get your guys' perspective. The state game is the week after next. So, Mike, since you went ahead and spoke up on that, I'll start with you for this week, man. Looking into this Mercer game as a player, I mean, how do you even mentally approach this type of game? Well, it's difficult because you do always get caught looking a week ahead. I mean, we're we're kidding ourselves, and so is the rest of the team. If they think that, and if we think that those those guys are out of practice this week, not thinking a little bit about NC State and sort of looking past Mercer, and that's why these games are always difficult. I mean, back in 2010, we almost lost to William and Mary. Um, similar situation, played them late in the year. We were looking ahead to the game after. Ended up having to come back and win that game late. That was when Mike Paulus was was their quarterback after transferring out of Chapel Hill. We had a, a similar issue with McNeese State in 2008. It, JMU was um, was was a bigger win in 2009. But I mean, I'll tell you, I, I honestly can't remember a game. Even JMU 2007, I think, was close at one point. Um, I, I just these games traditionally are, are letdown games. For us, because they they usually fall on a schedule on the schedule, with the exception of McNeese State and JMU in '07 and '08 early on, but those those '09 and '2010 games and this Mercer game now, you know, these games have been scheduled later in the season, and they end up being letdown games because the guys tend to look past them and get a little sloppy, and they end up being more difficult to win than they should be. Um, so that's how you prepare for it mentally is you do your best to not look past it. But I'm going to tell you that it's just human nature. To do that, I mean, we have even being in the you know as as Mac Brown put it this week, quote an average team, which he's absolutely correct about, um, and I think that's that's actually a compliment um, cause, uh, compared to the team from last year. I think last year's team was a below average team, so we're we've made improvement. We've gotten back to even, right? We've gotten back to average status quo. Even an average UNC team is going to be more talented across the board than Mercer's best team. Um, that being said. Those kids play college football. They lift weights just like we do. They practice just like we do. They get taught the same things that we do. And if they execute better, 
it could be a difficult day for UNC. And we've seen that in the past back in 08, 09, and 2010. So, um, you know, I, I just I, I caution guys to guys going into games like this. I did when we played, and, and I have since whenever speaking to guys, I caution them to not look too far ahead, trying to get caught up in try not to get caught up in the game that's following this one because you got to win this one first, like Mac put it in press conference earlier this week. Yeah, this is a mini playoff game. You have to win this game to put yourself in a position to go to a bowl if you beat State. Um, you know, we'll get into game predictions and season predictions after this, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, it, mentally you just got to do your best not to look past it, but that's almost impossible to do. So, EJ, turning to the defense, do you think it's more important for the defense to, like, really dominate this game? Or would you flip that around and say, look, if Mercer scores some points, but UNC is able to win comfortably in the end, they just outscore them. And Carolina can get some rest for its number one players like Strobridge, Crawford, those guys. Where do you come down on that? I definitely don't think we should be concerned about getting those guys some rest. I mean, like you said, I mean, the, the one game that's at the end of the year is a game that I think that no matter how bad these guys are feeling or how banged up they are, they're going to be ready to play. I mean, it's it's our biggest rival. A lot of people stop me on the street and they say, hey, you guys play Duke? And I'm like, yeah, that's the basketball rival. But we all know what's coming on, our, on, on November 30th. With that being said, I think anything less than a dominant, a completely dominating performance from the first quarter to the fourth quarter, I think that then that's going to be a disappointment. We haven't, we've had some good games on defense this year, but we haven't come out and, and just dominated and manhandled opponent. And I think this is going to be our opportunity. I mean, let's just think about it. Even if, uh, even if we're putting in our second and third team guys, those are still guys that have division one scholarships and are playing football at the university of North Carolina. Maybe they aren't playing because of experience. Maybe they aren't playing because a player in front of them is better, but I still think that talent wise across the board that, I think that we're we're a better team on paper than this team. It just depends on if we get caught up in thinking about NC State or if we're having a woe is me because we just lost an overtime to a game that I think that we should have won. Or are, are these guys just going to come out here and think that they're so much better than this team that they play undisciplined football? That's my biggest concern. I think that these guys know that well, the team that they're facing against, I think they know that they're not to the normal caliber of opponents that they normally play, especially this late in the season. And I worry about them going out there and trying to get too fancy or trying to do a pass rush move that they saw on Sunday, that's something they saw Von Miller or, or one of those other professional guys do and just go out there and, and just not take this team seriously and just worry about getting their stats up. We do need this game. This game is a playoff game. I mean, it's hard, even with the the lights and the attention that's been around our program this year, it's tough to justify getting into a bowl bowl game if you're reaching the bare minimum. So even though this isn't against um, our normal caliber opponent, a win is a win. And I think these guys need that confidence going into the game uh, against NC State because I can almost guarantee you that those those guys are going to be ready. They've shown year in and year out that no matter what their record is, no matter what our record is, that they're going to they're gonna come to play and they're going to come to play hard uh, when they play against us. So um, I just hope these guys don't fall into that trap. Uh, but it, it has to be a dominating point performance from beginning to end. I think anything more than 10 points for them uh, will be a disappointment. And I know that that, that may sound kind of harsh, but at the end of the day, we've sat here and said it, these guys aren't as talented as we are and we just need to put it together and, and show something. I mean, just breathe some excitement, something to, to look forward to going into this last game and then going into the uh, bowl game and or off season. 
Yeah, we'll talk about the bowl implications next week when we do our state preview podcast. In talking about mentality, I want to get both of y'all's perspective on this. Do you think it's more dangerous? Do you think it would be easier for an offense to lose focus or for a defense to lose focus? Because, you know, the stereotype is that offense is is easier to play against defense. So you could have some fans thinking, look, Carolina should be able to score 30 points in their sleep, but you guys have actually played. Do you think that that bears out? I want to hear both of y'all on this. Uh, I'll tell you, my personal experience playing lower-level teams is that the the talent level, I should qualify. So I'll give this answer two ways, right? It goes in two directions. One is that generally the talent level you're playing against is not what you've been playing against the entire year. That affects you if you schedule these teams later in the season because – you've had an entire year playing against, uh, frankly, elite ACC defensive talent. I mean, the ACC has been a defensive line conference for many, many, many years. I mean, go look at, go look in the NFL at how many um, defensive linemen are, are, are playing right now that played at ACC schools, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, so you play a, a defensive line, a heavy, a heavy defensive line talented schedule throughout the year as an offensive lineman and then you get late in the season and you have one of these games against a lower level team an fcs team um you know like a mercer and the talent level is just not there so your body your muscle memory um you have been conditioned to playing against that higher um that higher talent level um faster speed better moves that sort of thing better coaching um stronger typically bigger so you get caught off guard maybe by lesser talent um, you get caught off guard by guys that are more of honestly, more fundamentally sound because they have to be. Um, whereas you're used to playing against more just freak athletes, right? That, you know, you can, ex- you don't know what to expect because these guys are so good and they're so athletic and they're so agile and they're so mobile. They can sort of do whatever they want. You have to be prepared for all of that. And the fundamentals, sometimes the basic stuff, the basic pass rush moves don't get implemented. Um, don't get used during a game with those with those types of players. When you get against a, when you go up against a team like Mercer, the team is, the players are not as talented necessarily. They're not as athletic necessarily, but they may be more fundamentally sound. You end up you sometimes get caught. Um, so that 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 affects you. That affects your individual performance sometimes. I mean, you're you're not expecting the game to move as slow as it is. You're not expecting things to be as frankly as simple or as vanilla as they are. Um, that'll catch you. The other thing that will catch you is the is the is the converse of that, right? You line up against a guy that you're expecting to be not as good as the guys you played against, and he is, for whatever reason, as good or better than some of the guys you've lined up against all year. But you've already you've already accepted in your mind that he's not going to be good enough. He's not going to be as good as some of these guys you've played against. And then you come into the game, and he ends up showing you up for a few plays, and you realize that he's stronger, he's faster, he's bigger than he was than he looked on film. Um, he's more productive against you, or looks like he has the potential to be more productive against against your team this season in this game. Than he, than he was against other FCS-level teams on film. And the reason for that is that they're probably playing out of their mind. This is their Super Bowl. So you'll get caught in that too. So you'll get caught with, on the one hand, guys that aren't as talented, aren't as big, aren't as fast, aren't as strong. And they'll actually beat you with that because you've been trained and conditioned the entire season to play against that. 
And then the flip side, you'll get caught with guys that you're expecting to not be as good that end up being as good or better than some of the guys you played against this year. And that catches you off guard too. So these games are trap games. And that's, that's what happens at the individual matchup level a lot. And that's why you see some teams struggle across the board throughout some, you know, through some of these games, because that's happening to every starter on the field for, you know, a UNC or your FBS school, you know, you know, what name, what name have you university. And I definitely agree with that. So um, I think one of the the lesser known facts around the world, Mike and I both know it because we, we've seen it on film and our coaches have been preaching it to us that the major difference between a big time program or division one or division two program are the linemen. And that's where you see it. And I, and I noticed that um, in 2000, I think 11, when we played ODU, they're all they had they had Tyler Hinky who who ended up playing in, in the NFL, but where they lacked was the size on the offenses and offensive and defensive line. So I think that the skill players that we're going to be going against, I think they're going to be capable. I mean, look, there, there's not enough spaces to go around for talented skill players. They're highly available. But what you, what's hard to find is what we call jumbo athletes, and of course that's a, as line, and that's what we like to call ourselves because you can't just be a big guy and play offensive and defensive linemen. You have to have some fluid in your hips you have to be agile you have to be have some semblance of athleticism to yourself so I think that our defensive line guys should definitely dominate up front but I hope we don't go in and underestimate these wide receivers running backs and quarterbacks and guys like this yeah they may not put up the numbers but like Mike said these guys are going to be playing out of their mind I, I think the perfect case in point is we played the Citadel and we completely overlooked the Citadel they're a military school we're going to go out here and cream them come to find out we're playing against a future NFL player in Andre Roberts and yes he did have a good game with us against us in both the return game and receiving it's I mean we knew he was a good player but we were thinking hey this guy's a good player on his level he's not going to be able to match up against us and our DBs I mean everyone knows about the defensive backs that we had there during the coach Davis era these are some very very talented defensive backs and they they admitted they had a hard time kind of guarding this guy because they had underestimated him. They hadn't watched film like they've been watching on everyone else. So it kind of really becomes a trap game in that, in that essence. Yeah. You're going to know what they're going to do, but if you say, okay, I don't have to get out of my, I don't have to flip my hips as fast. If I'm a DB, if I'm a defensive lineman, I don't have to disengage for my blocks as fast. And if I'm a linebacker, I can be a little, they're thinking that I can be a little bit lazy with my eyes because the keys are going to start to form slower. But I definitely know firsthand experience from playing against Georgia Southern, the Citadel, as Mike mentioned, Mike mentioned JMU and McNeese State. All of these teams caught us off guard because of the talent of their, of their skill players. And I mean, I just hope that that's, that's something that we don't do this week because, uh, we can that that can be a, a recipe for upset. I mean, we we've seen teams all over the country lose to teams that they're not supposed to not supposed to uh, lose to, and I just hope that we don't fall into that trap. I definitely think that we have the talent to completely dominate this game. I just hope we don't underestimate the talent of their skill players. Let me ask you guys this question: Is it more dangerous for the offense to have an off game against lower opponents, the defense to have an off game, or is it truly both? Mike, what do you think? I would say I would say the defense. All right, and yeah, uh-huh. go, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I would say the defense. What about you, EJ? I agree with Mike. I, I think it's the defense. I mean, offensive problems can be fixed, but if you can't stop a team that you're clearly more talented than, then that that's not a good sign. Is that where you're going with, Mike? Yeah, I mean, you have fundamentals on defense are slightly different than the fundamentals on offense, right? You can scheme your way out on offense. You can scheme your way out of 
some shortcomings, you know, in a bad game. You can fix that going into the next week because you got enough guys, you have enough wide receivers that somebody the next week's going to catch a ball, somebody the next week's going to catch a touchdown. A running back is going to break, um, is going to break loose, um, you know, and snap off some big runs. Offensive line will figure it out and pass protection and run blocking at some point. That stuff will get corrected. Um, and, and a quarterback will correct the mistakes he made the previous week, you would hope, right? He'll learn from it to some extent. The fundamentals are slightly different. You know, catching, blocking um, is a little different than having to actually tackle and bring people to the ground. And then when you factor in the fact that our defense is extremely thin and they're getting worn out by the end of games, their fundamentals are already suspect as it is. And then when they get tired at the end of games, which isn't their fault. I mean, if you look at some of the numbers, you know, we've got we have defensive players that have played um, the fourth most snaps of any player at their position. Miles Wolfolk, I think, has played or sorry, Miles Dorn has played the most snaps of any safety in college football so far on the year um, at 700 and something snaps. Um, I think we've got two or three other guys on defense that have, you know, that are number four, that are number five, that are number 21 in total snaps. So by the end of the game, our guys are worn down and those fundamentals that were already suspect to begin with tackling and shedding blocks, things like that, taking, taking proper angles are only exacerbated. They're only made worse by fatigue at the end of the game. And at this point late in the season, you know, you're not going to correct those problems. So we're already thin from a body standpoint on defense, we're also thin from a fundamental standpoint on defense. Um, if we have a bad showing, morale is a little bit down, I would imagine, on the defensive side right now, um, which isn't to say that it won't get corrected next year once reinforcements come. I think it will. But morale right now, the reality is, is that morale is probably down on the defensive side of the ball. And if you have a bad showing against a, a team, like EJ said, a team you should beat 100%, you should beat them. Um, and you should show out defensively. Um, if you give up 17 or 21 points to a team like this, that's going to be difficult to come back from a week later against you know your biggest rival. All right, let's touch on that a little bit more here. But before we get to that, I want to take a second to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and JohnT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill for the Mercer game this Saturday, or if you're going to be attending any of the basketball games, any of the Olympic sports that are still going on and will be starting very soon, make sure that you swing by Franklin Street where you can go to the Giant T-Shirt location there where they've been in business for decades. They have the absolute best customer service. They have everything that you could want for the Tar Heel fan in your family. And because holiday season is just around the corner, if you need gift ideas, Giant T-Shirt is a great place to look. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, you can always shop online at giantt-shirt.com where you can have the same great customer experience and see the huge selection of UNC gear. And remember that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your order. You can get that 10% off code from either the Basketball Premium Message Board or the Premium Football Message Board. So that's Giant T-Shirt and giantt-shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. EJ, let's talk about the morale boost there that Mike touched upon because I think that it this is a game that if UNC just goes out, and even though, like you guys have said, they should win this game, they should win it convincingly, but I think if you get guys that just dominate, and if they can hold Mercer to like less than 10 points, I do think that that's something that could help boost them for NC State, which is going to be a huge step up in competition and probably the most physical game of the entire year. We know what State's going to try to do in that game. As a defensive lineman yourself, 
does that really add something if you can say, man, we went out last week, we just whipped that team up and down the field. I feel great this week now heading into the rivalry matchup. Oh, yeah. It's a big-time morale booster, especially um, with the team being in the position that it is. I mean, it's a young team. It's a team that's kind of rebounding from a couple of rough seasons. And I've been there. I mean, trust me, I've been there. So, And I think the mind state is, okay, if I go out here and I execute, and we execute this play and we execute this pass rush move, or if I could disguise my coverage in this way and they can't figure it out, uh, at least it'll give me an extra. It'll give me a little extra time. If I'm perfecting this and I'm beating this guy really bad, I know when I go up against some more competition that, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, but I'll be so used in knowing that I can execute this move that who knows what can happen. Um, I can, I can definitely attest to that. Um, when we played Georgia Southern my senior year, I definitely tried some unique pass rush moves and things that I'd never tried before. And that kind of transferred over to different games because I got a good feel of, of how those things would go. So, I think a dominating performance uh, will will be great for morale, and it's a morale boost that's that's much needed. I mean, we've kind of limped our way to the finish line of this season, and and I think Mike's point is exactly right. It's it's more so of a war of attrition now for our defense. Yeah, we have the players, we we have uh, we have some disciplined guys, we have a good scheme, but when you have a safety that's leading the, the country and, and snaps played and a lot of other guys in top five, as Mike mentioned, I mean, of course you're going to see some wear down towards the end of the season. I definitely not ex- expect it to be this substantial, but I mean, you can see it. I mean, we're getting beat over the top deep in some of these plays. So I think that we need to come in and we, I think we use this game. I think the starters should go in, use this game to go in and dominate, get you a good half uh, or, or three quarters of football in and let some of these reserves come in and get some reps. Don't, don't come in and do anything special with them. Treat it like an extra practice. I mean, if we go into this game and let's say the score is 42 to 10 in the third quarter and our second and third teamers come in and they give us a couple points. Yeah, that, that, that's a little bit more acceptable, but I definitely don't want to see them having two or three touchdowns going into the half because I think that's only going to deter our morale because you're going to have to leave those starters in the rest of the game because I don't think Coach Coach uh, Brown would sacrifice a game like this just to have guys prepare for next week. He's not that type of coach. I don't know any head coach it is. It's always one game at a time. So um, I, I think that they absolutely have to go out and dominate. And I really want to see some of these reserve guys come in because, I mean, these are going to be some of the guys. I mean, you think about we're losing two of our biggest uh, biggest production guys on the defensive line and Jason Strobridge and Aaron Crawford. So someone's going to have to step up and fill in for those guys. I mean, and, and, and Tamon Fox as well. Like we, we have a lot of experience, talent and depth leaving, leaving this defense. And I think it's, um, hopefully the deals, those guys will get a chance at the end of the game on Saturday to kind of show and prove and get out there and have a little fun and, and show the coaches that if, if they're needed in the situation uh, against NC state or in the bowl game, that these guys will be ready, willing and available to, to make plays. Well, speaking about important players and, potentially, you know, pulling them at the out of the game when the score gets to a certain level. Mike, when you're looking at Sam Howell, he has been UNC's MVP this season, in my opinion. However, behind him, there's really no true backup quarterback. So when you're looking at this, at what point do you say, look, we've just got to pull Sam Howell because forbid that freak thing happen and the rest of the season could just be bleak if if that worst case scenario comes to pass. Yeah, well, I mean, it's now going to be your fault because you talked it into fruit. You spoke it into existence. So 
congratulations on the self-fulfilling prophecy. Everybody who's listening, this is John Siegley's fault, assuming this happens. But thanks, thanks, man. Yeah, you're, thanks. you're welcome. You're welcome. You did this. Um, no one but you. Only you are to blame. <laughs> um, but I, well, I mean, you pull Sam. I got. I mean, I don't. I, I we haven't played the game, so I can't tell you how it's going. I mean, if it's a close game, you got to keep him in the game. You got to win it. Um, if it's a thirty-point game in the middle of the third quarter, I say you pull him in the third quarter, and you know you let Amendola go in there and and throw the ball around. And we just see what he's got uh, because at some point, at some point, a backup is going to have to get some reps uh, in the event that something does happen. Um, you know, you have to have, you got to have backups who have game reps because they're not at the point you throw them into a game and they've never played in a game. It's not going to be pretty. So this is a perfect opportunity to get a nice big cushy lead and then pull your starters, especially a guy like Sam Howell, keep them safe, keep them healthy. And then get your backups, you know, some snaps and get a guy like Amendola some snaps who otherwise may not get, you know, get a whole lot of run, you know, in any other game throughout the year. I mean, the situation's kind of played out perfectly for him to finally get some plays and get in there and toss the ball around because Jace isn't 100% healthy. And uh, and Sam's going to have to get pulled at some point for the, for the reasons you just mentioned, um, you know, keeping him safe, keeping him healthy and having him ready for state the following week. So. You know, if it's a 30-point game in the third quarter, I think Sam gets pulled. If it's a seven-point game, he's going to stay in, and they're going to have to keep him in there to, you know, to win the game. And hopefully it's the former and not the latter. But um, that, that's the scenario in which Sam gets pulled, and you would hope you could pull him sooner rather than later for sure. All right, so then let's talk about overall team goals for this game. What do you guys individually want to see out of this heading into that NC State matchup? EJ, let's start with you on the defensive side. Well, I want to see uh I want to see I want to see us improve our pass rush like I mentioned. I want to see these guys work some of those pass rush moves that they've kind of maybe been holding at bay or maybe like you say these guys have been tired and they've been playing a lot of snaps this year. Maybe they've been just kind of going through the motions with their pass rush, but that's one thing I want to see. I also want to see physicality. I want to see us bring the fight to them. I want to see a dominating physical uh, performance. I want to see the line of scrimmage being reestablished two to three yards in the backfield. I want to see linebackers coming up, knowing their reads, hitting their hitting their holes hard, taking on blockers, and, and, and making plays in the backfield. I want to see our secondary have physical coverage, and I want to see them read their keys. And I don't want to see us getting beat deep. You always see in these games where teams play against lesser opponents, there always seems to be two or three big plays because they get caught sleeping or maybe they work or run something that they've had in the book since training camp that they knew they want to play when they, or they're playing against a bigger, higher level opponent. So I, I really want to see physicality. I want to see a complete game. I want to see the secondary play well combined with our linebackers being aggressive, combined with the line of scrimmage being established and us getting after the quarterback. Um and, and I think this game is set up perfectly for us to do that because we need to show – the team needs to show themselves that this is something that they can do, that they can put a complete game like this together, that they can go out there and be dominant. So that's really what I want to see. And, and if nothing, if I see nothing else, I just want to see that line of scrimmage being reestablished because if that's happening, everything else is going to flow naturally. The pass rush will be there. The run will be stopped. So I, I think it all starts with physicality. Physicality is really what I want to see. Mike, on offense, let me throw something out here to you because I was thinking about this while EJ was talking about the defense. I think me personally for the offense, what I would like to see, speaking about Sam Howell, is a game with zero sacks or maybe one. How realistic do you think that is? And then what are you looking for the offense to accomplish in this game overall? 
Uh, I mean, it's not it's not realistic for the offense that we run and Sam being young and hanging out of the ball too long. Um, that's that's just the reality. So, I mean, I don't think you'll see a zero sack day. Um, it's not so much sacks that are the problem; it's pressures um, and it's hits. So, you know, if you give up two sacks or three sacks in a game, but that's the only time a quarterback gets hit or has anybody in his face, which is circumstances you see um, from other teams, and you've seen it with us too in the past and even this year. Those few sacks are not nearly as detrimental to the quarterback's performance that game and in games moving forward as it is when he's constantly being hit, constantly has people in his lap, he's constantly being pressured. Um, that's a different kind. That has a different effect on a quarterback. But that is a that, that's a sign of a systemic problem in pass protection. You know that will get into get inside of a quarterback's head. But you know a couple of sacks a game with no other pressures and no real, you know, no other, no other quarterback hits or people in his face. That's not as detrimental as people think it is. So the stack stat, the, or sorry, the sack stat, excuse me, the sack stat is a little uh, deceiving. Um, and uh, it, what really needs to be paid attention to in terms of offensive line performance is quarterback hits and quarterback pressures. That's, that's what you need to pay attention to. Um, that'll show you how good an offensive line or how bad an offensive line really is. But, I mean, the key for UNC's offense this game is just to get out of it healthy. I mean, you asked EJ, you know, what do you want to see out of the defense? I mean, what you want to see out of the offense is just everybody come out of this game healthy and ready to go next week. I don't really care what the score is. I don't, you know, a win is a win. As long as it's a win, I don't really care. It doesn't matter to me. What I want to see is nobody gets hurt. Nobody's kept in the game too long. Um, and, and, and nobody takes any steps back. But I don't really think you're going to have I don't think you. I don't think this game runs the risk of people taking steps back from a fundamental standpoint or from a progression standpoint. Um, what I'm really concerned about is injuries, and if we can minimize or altogether eliminate injuries, I think this game will will be a success outside of the scoreboard. Yeah, injuries are the thing that everyone I think can agree on are the number one outcome that needs to be avoided, and I think that goes into a lot of what you guys have talked about with getting in the backups saving some of the more key players for that matchup against NC State. I wanted, though, to ask you guys this. You know, you guys are some years removed from the playing days. All of us are getting older all the time. When you're looking at it now, maybe as a little bit more of a fan, you know, you can say a win is a win, and I'm sure that the rational side of you does think that. But as a fan, do you guys kind of just want to see like a 75 to 10 and anything like maybe within 14, 21 points just may not be as satisfying. What do you think about that, EJ? It definitely won't be as satisfying. I mean, if 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 you want to talk the conversations that Mike and I have when we're not on the podcast, I want this game to be 92 to 6, but I know that's <laughs> – well, I can't say that's unrealistic because I have lost the game 86 to 6, by the way. So insert, oh, Mike's, oh. insert Mike's trolling now. Hold but, on, uh, hold on. No, no, no. Yeah, let's <laughs> pause. Pause the podcast. I'm going to take a quick commercial <laughs> break, actually, because I haven't taken a second one. We're coming back. You to guys this. are Hold disgusting. On, You're all Hold disgusting. On. We'll be right back. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. All right, and we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. I, I can't let that go, EJ. I can't let that go. 
What so, is 86 to 6? Okay. So, as you all know, um, my three years playing varsity football in high school, we were 2-27. and 27. Not 2-28 and 28 because the last, my junior year, we were going to play the eventual state champions. And our coach had told us he'd already called and forfeited. We can just go home. So, <laughs> Yeah, this is my sophomore year. Um, so we're playing Sussex Central High School, which had won state championships uh, in consecutive years. They were a powerhouse program in the state. So, and they were, now mind you, we were a double A school and they were a single A school. So we were supposed to dominate them. I was playing quarterback at the time. So I threw a touchdown pass. It was 14 to six. The next, the very next drive, we get the ball back. I'm running the ball down the sideline. So they have this kid on their team named Algemont Rose. So in Virginia, if you turn 19 after August 1st, you can still play high school football. His birthday was August the 3rd or something like that. So he leaves his feet, spears me. The next thing I know, I get up, I'm on the track. So I look down at my wrist and um, my, <laughs> my, my wrist was at about uh, 3 o'clock uh, and I thought oh. it was at 12. So I didn't play that game. We had one of our wide receivers get a concussion so bad that he ended up in the stands with the cheerleaders, which also <laughs> speaks to our medical staff that no one was monitoring him. <laughs> oh, my God. So that, look, that's not the worst. It was 72-6 at halftime. The game started at 7. Halftime was at 9 o'clock because there were so many injuries. They played their JV in the second half, and their JV scored two touchdowns on us. <laughs> oh, no. You guys – should- I shouldn't laugh. Now ask me again how I got a scholarship. <laughs> Mike, what was your worst score ever? I mean, I don't I don't remember a bad I don't know that we were ever blown out. We I and mean, we played those independence teams. You know, we played number number one, number two in the country independence seven years straight, undefeated, seven straight state championships. Um I don't know that even they ever blew a blew a team that I played on. Out. We're talking 2002 to 2005. All right. Well, you're um, much less interesting than EJ. I'm yeah. I, well, I mean, EJ also grew up in a town of 16 people, and apparently 15 of those people had walked out of that game with a concussion or a broken bone. So, mm-hmm. I mean, good God, Emporia, Virginia. We Get had it 20, together. There were 22 people in the program. Not not just the varsity team. But the football program had 22 people. Yeah, and EJ And EJ played 13 of those positions. Exactly. Simultaneously. Now look, NFL player, EJ Wilson. Yep, that's me. Oh, oh yeah. So I took a bad loss too. Um, we were when I was in Seattle, uh, we played the Giants. They beat us forty two to ten. Hakeem Nix comes over to me and says, Yeah, it's not as fun when I'm not on your team anymore, is it? Oh, oh that is great. <laughs> my my rookie my rookie year in Tampa, we we ended the season in Atlanta and lost the game. At Atlanta on New Year's Day, forty-four to ten, I think. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was that was a bad day. And did Hakeem Nix call you and say, "Hey, Mike, it ain't as fun when I'm not on your team"? No, no, no. Hakeem Hakeem was busy. Uh, what year was that? That was 2011, I think. Hakeem was uh, he was in New York catching passes and signing Jordan deals and having himself a big old time. Nice. Not me. So, so hearing that that story from EJ, it just I I can see now why EJ just has that fan perspective and that deep seated anger of just like, nah, <laughs> we need to win by yeah. fifty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it all stems back from that. All right, guys, I think we've talked about this Mercer game about as much as we can. We will be talking next week though about NC State. 
it hate is week. going to be oh yeah officially hate week hate week everyone's baby. everyone's favorite and least favorite time of the year simultaneously it will be a great conversation i'm sure but for now guys have a great rest of your night All right, you too man. All right, man. thanks for listening to another podcast from insidecarolina.com brought to you by johnny t-shirt.com where to go for your next tar heel gear purchase 